You are listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. We share our views and experiences relating to hospitality, technological trends, and also relating to humanity. Here is your host, Sam Eric Rutman. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Hospitality Insights episode, and we will talk about how to create memorable experiences that matter and connect with customers. Uh, we have been having a very challenging time in the worldwide because of the global pandemic, but it seems that we are getting out of this uh, difficult time, and now different countries are, open, are able to open up their restaurants and hotels, and then... And there's a lot of pent-up demand for people to go to restaurants and in, enjoy their meals and also to start with the staycations. Maybe they are staying in their own country, but they might be moving on uh, eventually when things are getting uh, more better and also the flights connections are better that they are moving to uh, take some overseas holidays. And I'm very excited because we have a chance to meet uh, Zana Usher, who is uh, based in Los Angeles, uh, California, in USA. Uh, she is with uh, her own company called ZD Hospitality as a, consult- a consultancy company. And uh, we will talk about uh, the customer expectations and also really how many, how the restaurants are having maybe challenges to hire, to rehire staff who had to be laid off and what it takes to bring talent back to serve the customers, but also from Point of view where we have uh, people who are looking for jobs, what are some key points they should be paying attention to when they're searching their job now back into the industry? Uh, so there are many things that we can cover during this, this discussion. But I'd like to thank, uh, first of all, our uh, the partnership we have for this episode, which is the Malta Hotel and Restaurant Association, uh, winning.training, which is the on portal, uh, online course portal and uh, Visit Malta, and uh, Mediterranean Tourism Foundation, and also uh, Malta Tourism uh, Ministry for being supporting our episodes. And so I'm very glad to uh, bring in uh, Zena just in a moment. So uh, uh, look forward to our this interesting discussion. Hello, Zena, and, and welcome. Hello, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I, I've been looking forward to uh, this discussion because we both are uh, coming from the industry and we have something, many things in common that uh, you're originally from Europe or I think you're from uh, Berlin and your parents have been in the hospitality industry and they have been inspiring you for to continue this path into this thing. And I'm also here, here based in Helsinki. So uh, we have a lot of things in common, but I'm more interested to learn about what you've been doing and, and how things are uh, developing in the U.S. and what you can share with people. Sure. Yeah. So just a little bit about my own background. I was born and raised, as you mentioned, in Germany, Berlin. My parents migrated from um, Serbia and Hungary to Germany. And my dad used to be a well-known chef in Germany. And my mom used to be the leader of a housekeeping team at a medium-sized hotel. And yes, that's kind of like how I got introduced to the world of hospitality. And I immediately was, you know, hooked on it. Like I, I did not think I wanted to do anything else with my life because I was either at the restaurant 
or at the hotel with my mom and, you know, the fast paced and the loud voices and the multitasking was really, I was so drawn to all of that from the very beginning that I kind of really knew that this is really something I want to do. Great. What is your first memory of, uh, uh, since you have been living this life now for your entire life, basically, but what are your first and such a moment that uh, has stuck with you all these years? I like one of the first moments was really when I would just go and pick up my dad with my mom from work at the restaurant and people would just sit there and they would just clean glasses and they would have a good time. And, you know, at that time, back in the days, people were allowed to smoke in the restaurant inside. So I know it's really kind of nasty, but like to me, that stuck out, you know, the cigarette smell along with the steak smells and the nice sauces and the fresh rosemary from fresh potatoes and, you know, really good wine and, you know, people just having a good time. So that was really something that stuck out to me. And then, of course, the hotel, you know, my mom was um, the leader of a housekeeping team, so I would always go in every department with her because she would have to pick up this or she would have to pick up that from this department and you know going through the hallways where guests are not allowed kind of like the insider ways and stuff like that it, it was just really something that kind of stuck with me and then to be very honest with you what really got me hooked was my very first job at Burger King <laughs> And I was the girl that really cleaned the tables. And I was so, you know, so excited to make sure that the whole dining room is clean. And once I transferred from cleaning tables to being a, a cashier, it was done for me. You know, you want pickles? You don't. Oh, you want extra cheese? And, you know, it it, it just really kind of put something out there for me where I was like, this, this is really, I really stick with this. And, uh, you know, because of traveling all over the world, I had the privilege of meeting different cultures. And obviously, I worked for amazing chains, hotels and restaurants and uh, amazing people. And, uh, yeah, it kind of led me to L.A. And now I'm here and I'm glad that this is kind of like my home base. When you started in your career and you, you got your first jobs and it kind of relates to the talent search these days when restaurants are hiring what are what are you looking at when you, for instance when the restaurant should be hiring hiring in order to i mean the the generation of uh, uh, generation now who's getting their jobs into uh, maybe the fast food or to uh, uh, full dining uh, restaurants and so on what should they be paying attention to and where can they find uh, those people who's going to work for them so I think one of the great things to always look for is not so much what people present on the resume because everybody just can make up a great resume, but it's really to try to connect with the person in the short time that you have to have this interview with and ask precise questions. I think, you know, it's, it's good for people to um, really bring to the table their drive, right? So if you want to work in any kind of job or in any kind of industry, you want to show that you have this drive of really wanting to be there and not necessarily only because you want to earn money by being there, but also because you want to offer what you are as a person, you know, your beautiful personality, your outgoingness, you know, your connections with people, the fact that you want to learn maybe about something new that you haven't done before because hospitality industry is all about being teachable, you know, and everybody can serve. 
everybody can be a server or a waiter or a host or a manager. Everybody can do that. But people want to and have to bring to the table that they are going to be willing to be teached and learn something new. And I think for us owners and investors and, you know, managers of establishments, it's, it's imperative that we bring to the table that we understand that the people that we hire are here to help to build our dream. And they're not here to, they're building up their own dream. They're here to help us accomplish whatever. And, and for that, only for that, they really do deserve daily acknowledgement, daily attention great tools to work with. You know, if you, for instance, have a restaurant or hotel, you, you gotta, you gotta provide your staff good trays to work with good, you know, good aprons, good, you know, tools that they can really go out there and perform in a correct way. Yeah. I mean, those are very good, good, good points that you make. Uh, one of the challenges that uh, we are noticing in, in particular in Europe is that uh, it is really difficult to get staff, uh, particularly countries like UK that is really relied on staff that are not from UK and also uh, Malta, which is, uh, or Malta, uh, which is an island. And uh, they had many people who are working from, coming from East, East Europe and so on to, to hire them. And uh, so, uh, so there are some, uh, do you have those challenges in, in the US at the moment that the restaurants are struggling to, to attract people to work for those restaurants. Uh, uh, any, thoughts, uh, any thoughts you want to share on that, that, that front? Um, yes, there is absolutely challenges over here too, that people are either moved on from the industry because they had to, and they had to find something to keep them, uh, you know, <laughs> over water. So they had to move out of the industry that they're used to. Or they're just simply not wanting to come back because at specific times, there are specific aspects that play a role why people are making choices not to go back to work. So, yes, there's definitely a challenge over here, too, to find staff and finding the right staff. But I also feel like that this is a really good opportunity for everybody that is an owner to really also hone in on themselves and really understand that people do need to get paid what their profession brings with them. So what I mean by that is you, for instance, cannot expect to have a really good chef, possibly even a chef with a Michelin star, but he's not getting properly compensated for his time being in your restaurant. And I'm saying that for every, every person that you're trying to hire. You know, people these days really want to be compensated for their talent and their time and the fact that they're going to be away from their families. And I understand that it's very difficult at the time for, for everybody. It's, it's very difficult because, you know, nobody has a big tree in their backyard where they're just like, okay, I need like a hundred grand, please. Thank you. <laughs> you know, so, but um, it's a given and taken, right? If, if you want good, if you want good people to produce great things for you, you have to, in exchange, offer, finances to them back and that there has to be a good balance you know and also for instance healthcare is a big role here it's, it's, it's a big lack of you know restaurants not providing proper health care to their staff and it's difficult for staff to feel safe or a good healthy environment 
where you have good functioning managers, where, you know, the leaders of your establishment are taking really the lead and are there for the staff. That all of that was was a problem already to begin with. And people never so much paid attention to the fact for training for really people like me, you know, to come in and really help to create something where everybody feels comfortable to come to work, you know, including the managers, because managers have a lot of, lot of, you know, things on their shoulder. They carry a lot of responsibility and owners. And sometimes we as staff, we, we don't know that because everything happens behind closed doors and we just come to work and we have a good time. And, you know, after a specific amount of hours, we log out and we leave, but the burdens are still being left with the owners. And for them, it needs to also be easy to have people that really want to be there and appreciate the place and treat the glasses and the trays and the plates and the spoons <laughs> like it's their own, you know, and the establishment. Because if Oh, I threw a spoon away. Oh, well, it's not mine. If, if this type of attitude really, really has to be different because everything is about finances and we have to be aware and respectful of each other's space and what we each individually bring to the table. And I think when we start to, to go about that a little bit more consciously, um, a lot of things really can change. And this is the, it's a great time for change. It's a fantastic time for change right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, I think it's part of that. Uh, we're talking about really the culture of, uh, and uh, culture of the place where, where they're working. In. And uh, so uh, when you are doing the consultancy for, for restaurants or, or businesses and so on, what tips are you giving to the owner uh, in order to, uh, when you notice that there's this, uh, perhaps not the gap of culture, but it's not being brought to the to the surface enough. What are the tips you're giving them? What yeah. should they do to get to get the the, the staff on the, that everybody's on the same side? Uh, I think one of the biggest things is really for everybody to understand that they are for the same reason there, right? Like it, it doesn't matter if you a dishwasher or you're a server or you are the manager. Fundamentally, we all are here for the same reason, which is we want to earn money. And that's unfortunately the first thing. Number two, right away after, is we want to please our guests. We want to please our customers that come to us. And we want to make our guests feel appreciated and acknowledged for actually choosing the establishment that they chose because there are so many. And if your guests come to your establishment, you want to create an environment and a culture and standards and boundaries and rules that are good for staff because they have a nice structure after what they go after and a nice idea of what the major goal is. But also for the guest, they feel that this is a team, that this, there's unity, that nobody has this attitude of, you know, this is not my station, I cannot help you out. Or, you know, my fellow coworker has like three tables, I have none at the time. So I'm just going to stand in a corner and wait. No, I'll jump in, I'll help my coworker out because whatever I give will come back to me. And this is what one of the first things that I always like to point out is the attitude and the mindset that you bring when you come here. Like if you come with a mindset oh gosh, I don't want to be here. And I rather, you know, 
would do A, B, and C, you're already creating something that is going to make it very difficult for you to really enjoy the time that you have to be here because you have to earn money. So why not rather have a mindset of, you know what, I have great people around me. I'm going to meet new people because I'm a server or I'm a manager or I'm whatever. And it's going to be fun. Like, it's going to be fun. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm going to get something out of them. They're going to teach me something that I've never heard. I maybe even can connect on a different level with them or whatever it might be. And this is the beauty of the world of hospitality. You just never know who you're meeting. You just never know who you're serving. You really don't. Like a person can just look like they're just coming from the beach, but come to find out they have a hundred restaurants and they want you to help out with the restaurants or whatever. You know, I'm just saying there's so many opportunities that people don't think when they go to the job, but they're just thinking of, I got to be here. And this is where great leaders come in. You know, like team meetings, staff meetings are so imperative. They're imperative. Like you, you, you know, they really are important. You got to let your staff speak and figure it out and somewhat together. Yeah, I mean, some great, great companies, I'm just drawing to some hotel companies, uh, the, the morning, morning meetings or briefings are not about uh, what was the average check or what was the average room rate. They talk about customer experience and they're talking about what was the, yeah. uh, the great experience that the guest had and what are the expectations from the customer and so on. So that's the, the whole discussion is all, all about that. Uh, and uh, not about so much about, well, how high is the breakage? I mean, of course, it's important, but I, I, I see restaurants which are having lot of charts with a breakage and so on. That becomes sort of a, a fundamental discussion point uh, every time rather than focusing on the customer. And, and of course, these should never be neglected that uh, uh, all the forks and spoons that are end up in the, in the waste should be uh, right. collected and so on. But let's uh, one of the things which I uh, have thought about, and I, maybe you have something to share on also, is that uh, how are restaurants attracting uh, talent to the to uh, to work for them? Uh, what media are they using? I mean, uh, how are they going about it these days? I I'm just thinking about uh, some social media which I uh, which some great restaurants or or hotels for that matter are creating a uh, the you know. You know, either they're on TikTok or something in order to create the fun, fun environment to kind of uh, attract the, the talent to say, hey, this could be a fun place to work. Yeah, I think social media is a great idea. You know, it's, it's always good to use free platforms that are actually out there. You know, and I'm pretty sure that everybody in their family, either like, you know, your little cousin or your little nephew or, you know, like, I mean, somebody in your family is somewhat talented when it comes to creating social media content. So I think that's a great idea, you know, to put yourself out there, put your restaurant out there, put the vibe out there, you know, show people what type of food you offer, what you are really as a concept and what you're trying to accomplish. I think that's a great idea. And then, of course, you know, use the platforms of, you know, putting ads out there. You know, ads can go a long way. Some of them cost money. Some of them don't. You got to see what works best for you, what your budgeting is. But um, word of mouth, too, you know, mm -hmm. wherever you go, just talk to people. You know, when you go to the bakery down the street, hey, you know, I have a restaurant. Do you maybe happen to have anybody in your family that needs a job? If yes, here's my business card. You know, it's it's really just 
people really these days, to be honest with you, need to really relearn how it is to connect because we were so hiding behind our phones and computers and nobody really needed. But this type of stuff forces people to really go face to face and address what's happening. And some people feel very uncomfortable with that because not everybody is very open and, you know, like, hi. And a lot of people are like, "Mm -hmm, I don't know how to say and how to say it. And I rather send a text, but this is, you know, this is straight courage right here. If you want your restaurant to succeed or your hotel, you got to be, you got to be leading with your torch in your hands and you got to do whatever it needs to take, you know? If you really, truly believe in your heart, you're, you can succeed, then invest everything that you have and it will succeed. But if you already have doubts and you are on the verge of losing everything, please rethink your idea. It's, it's, I mean, there's other things that you can create. There's other things. And just because something is not happening right this moment, it can happen a little later, you know, but those are maybe some ways, you know, putting ads out, social media and just really talking. Talking to other people anywhere you are, you know, regardless of where you go, it it could be the grocery store, it could be, you know, parking your car, it could be running at yoga, wherever. I mean, particularly the the fine dining restaurants, which are many of them are in in big trouble because they, before they didn't think they need to be uh, out there to have presence in the social media. And uh, they were just relying on the reputation of, of great food and, and so on. But uh, and the, the, the challenge is that you need to look at what is your customer base, who are your lo- loyal guests, and did you even start a, a, a database where you can contact, contact people directly to, to uh, uh, entice them to come, to let, let them know that we're opening again, and we have a new menu, and so on. So... Uh, have you seen what is the approach to restaurants that are uh, in order to kind of entice people in because they have a lot of information about their customers if they've been coming for for a long time sure i think that's always a great way you know like this is kind of like hospitality one-on-one and i know you know this because you've been for years in the kind of like hotel upper area of management uh, you know to collect guest data in general but um, that's a great way but I don't really think that that's so extremely necessary at this time just because people were so ready to get out people at this time like you know I'm talking guests that want to come to your establishment are ready they're, like they're here, they're, they are ready to come. So all we really need to do as owners, investors, managers, leaders, we got to take the lead right now. Like get your staff ready, get somebody like me or whoever you prefer instead in into your restaurant and let us help you come up with great service that you can provide to your guests because it's not only about good food. Believe me, if you have fantastic food, but you have sucker service, nobody wants to come back to you. And they won't come back because people understand now more than ever, better, that they have choices. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the customers. What are the expectations uh, from the customers now? Uh, you say, Of course, everybody's eager to come in, but uh, what you have noticed, what are the changes in the customer uh, 
requirement or their, their taste or what are, what are the things that you can share from your experience of any changes and, and the demand from the customers now? You know, it, that's a little bit cultural. Also, there's a few differences in culture. So because I'm from Germany and Germany, I would say people are very easy to tell right then and there what they think. Um, here in America and California, specific people don't really say right away if they have a problem at the table or at the hotel. They don't really voice right away the complaint that they're actually carrying. They just then choose to not ever go back or to write a really bad review. So um, it really depends of what culture we're talking about because it's very difficult to generalize this question. But I think it's just really imperative and guests are really just wanting to be acknowledged for coming to your space and to your establishment and just really get the service that they're actually paying for, right? So if I pay a great deal of money for a steak and some nice, I don't know, asparagus risotto at your restaurant, I would like to please reserve the proper service for that for compensate the money that I just paid for this nice steak. I don't want to ask, I would like to have more water or I would like another Coke or I would like, I don't want to ask these things. I want you to come to me and to cater to me and to acknowledge that I am here as your guest because if somebody would come to your home, well, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But if somebody would come to my home, I would want them to feel comfortable. I would offer, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you cold? Do you need a blanket? Do you would like to sit on the patio or you want to sit on the couch or, you know, like you want to make your guests feel comfortable. And I think by name recognition and just paying attention to body language and just paying attention of who and how we deal with complaints are so imperative right now. And all of that can be trained and teached and shown and executed in two, three seminars. And then your wait staff knows. And then mistakes that are really happening now at the beginning of this reopening phase, you want to avoid. You really do. And rather invest now a little extra money. But for that, you create team and environment and money-making machines in a sense that will bring it all back to you. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on uh, like fine dining these days? Uh, uh, how has it evolved or is there is this something uh, only for special occasions or is, it, is there a room for growth in that area? Because most fine dining restaurants are, are having a challenge to make a profit these days, uh, and particularly because of the, the type of uh, produce and, and, and the, the product they're using. Right. I think we, ha- we all have challenges. I think every establishment at this point really does have specific challenges. Some are very different. Some are very, you know, same. But um, in general, I, I'm all for fine dining. I've always have been, and I will 
Like I love fine dining. I, I love a beautiful atmosphere with beautiful lighting and beautiful white tablecloth and like the old school with like beautiful napkins where the waiter actually comes and puts the napkin on your lap and, you know, you get your silverware changed after every course and, you know, you get great suggestion from an amazing sommelier talking about wine and I love that. I can't let go of that vision. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay true to my vision of believing that it will come back and we will make it happen. And people that have this vision will get somehow the funding and, you know, somehow it's going to all come back because this is really how hospitality was born was because of fine dining. This is where true hospitality lays. It's the the friendliness and the warmness and the fantastic service that we offer, you know, like crumbing the table and paying attention to how are we behaving on the floor and all those do's and don'ts. Don't touch your hair, don't touch your face in the dining room. Like those little things, you know, that's all fine dining. That's all fine dining. You know, like the little details of how you you know, how you groom your, you know, what kind of uniforms you give your waiters? Are we all equally dressed? Do we work with gloves? Do we have gloshes still that we take off of the plate? Like this is all fine dining, right? And yes, I absolutely believe we, we have to stand strong for that to, to come back and be better than ever. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with you in that sense. It's uh, something which, uh, uh, they have the ability to make you feel very special. And I think this is the thing that how uh, every restaurant should be able to make your guests feel special. Uh, what has happened during the pandemic, some of the top restaurants uh, in, in, in Asia and also here in, here in Europe, that the chefs have to make some very hard decisions where they close the restaurant and change the concept. Uh, like uh, sure. maybe one of the top restaurants in, based in Copenhagen, which you had a long, long, uh, list in order to get, get a table. Uh, with the pandemic, they closed the restaurant and he changed he changed the concept to sell the uh, best burger in town and, and charged, was it $25 for a burger for Copenhagen? And uh, but uh, and it was all the patio service and then he had uh, a ghost kitchen, a cloud kitchen, a ghost kitchen, so they had delivery and, uh, and then created the menu that fits for, for delivery services, but just have to kind of evolve this because the way that he was made became famous did not work because of the circumstances. But I think right. people are um, uh, changing things. Also, another example in Bangkok, there's one of the top uh, uh, female chefs who had a, a famous uh, restaurant and uh, she, she closed down her fine dining because of the pandemic and uh, moved on to create uh, a very casual but a very high quality just in order to make the ends meet. So it's interesting to see how things will be evolving and uh, in what way we'll come back and what is the future of, of fine dining because I believe fine dining has a place obviously because it's, a, it's the one that there's uh, always room for that but it's just what, interesting to see yeah. what the industry professionals are doing and what customers are expecting again. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's always great to be adaptive, you know, like just like we expect our staff to be teachable and have teachable hearts. We as owners, we have to be the same. Sometimes sometimes you got to make choices that are really not fun and you think you let go of your actual dream, but really it's just temporary, you know, and if you let go and you, for me, let God 
sometimes the most amazing things come out. But at first you're like, can I really let go of this? I worked for this so long, so hard. I put so much energy and so much time and so much everything in this and I'm supposed to let it go, you know? And so, but I understand I've been there, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I completely understand, but I also understand that sometimes, sometimes making a choice can lead to different things that you've never thought can happen is also a good thing, you know, to not be fear-based, but to be like, okay, I guess this is what I got to do. You know, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going <laughs> to just jump, jump through here. Yeah. The way the service has evolved now because of the, the different sanitation standards and so on, what are the things that you think will stay as a result of uh, the pandemic where you have all this sanitation, uh, like we have all these desinfication bottles in front of a restaurant and, and uh, right. in the restaurant and it's one small t- bottle at the table if you want to clear your hands and wearing a mask until you be seated. Do you th- how, how much will, of that has been, which was, became a new thing here, will, do you think will stay? So, I, I mean, I would not mind if the sanitation part would really stay at the level where it is currently, to be honest, um, because it's not only restaurants, but it's also just airplanes, right? They're all going to be sprayed down right now. All the head seats are going to change. You know, those little those little things are in their back. Like, I, I really don't mind that, to be honest with you. And I also wouldn't mind if from now on we always have one seat next to each other if we speak about airplanes um, for this type of thing because it's good to have a little bit self-space and it's good to feel that we are sitting in a clean environment and that people are really wanting to make sure that everything is sanitized for us. I think that's, I don't, I wouldn't mind that at all, you know? Um, So maybe it will stay, maybe it will not. I mean, I guess fundamentally that's up to each and everyone's government and, you know, people that are making those type of decisions, but um, I, I think it's, it would be great to maintain some levels of the COVID, you know, um, rules and of the COVID, uh, what we got implemented, because I, I, I think it makes people feel safer. It makes people feel, okay, you know, I definitely know if I sit down at this table, it has been wiped, it has been sprayed with this, this infection. And I personally love that. <laughs> You know, but I'm a little clean freak, too. I don't know if everybody feels the same way, but I think rather clean than not thinking it is clean is much better. Yeah. Uh, then there's the technology side, which uh, has uh, really changed quite a bit, uh, where many establishments, restaurants and hotels were did not pay attention so much. So I didn't want to spend that, invest into the, the latest uh, technology, but now things have changed. And are there some technologies you think are uh, valid now for for in the restaurants that are that are here has been introduced and are here to stay? Yeah, I mean, I've been um, privileged to have a bunch of meetings with people that are entrepreneurs and that really come up with fantastic ideas. And just recently, an idea was presented to me where you know it's like a kind of like a price line for hotels only, but on a different level, where people kind of like type in and what city they want to be and what they're really looking for and what they really just want to spend, like their actual budget, and then this program 
is kind of giving you back in the city hotels that would go for your price. So the hotels have the you know opportunity to decide, okay, I, I think I would like that. You know, and so it's an idea like that, or it's a bunch of more ideas where I had the privilege to be asked to be a part of. And some of them I think are great, but some of them I just really want to always remember that hospitality is really about people to people service. Right. And I don't want to necessarily see that I'm being served by a robot or I have to put in my credit card. I have to put in on the screen what I want. And then the robot just spits up my food. Like I I personally would prefer to really have an actual beautiful human being come to me to my table and speak to me and have a cute little chat and, you know, walk me through the menu or tell me what they really like in this place, what they like to eat and what their suggestion is. And versus, you know, everything is robotized and high end technology. But again, I'm old school I'm I'm so old school that, you know, <laughs> um, maybe not everybody feels this way, but there's, of course, a technology that can always improve and help for us to be further. But I think we should always remember what hospitality really is about. Yeah, I mean, the, the successful businesses probably will have, uh, the technology will be uh, in, in the back end, but the, the, the human right. and personal uh, interaction is the one that uh, up front. But I, I noticed that some restaurants uh, are using, uh, because of people's concern about uh, getting an actual menu, that they prefer to get a, a, maybe a iPad with a menu on it, or, or even they use their own device to see the menu. So it's not the, a, a, right. a well-thumbed menu that has been uh, circulated by a lot of people. So they're, they're use, using the technology to work for them in, in the benefit that, that people feel safe also. Yeah. I mean, over here in LA, it's very common that you actually just, you know, take your phone and scan their menu because of, you know, COVID regulations where they obviously did not want people to touch the menu and then it goes from person to person. But again, in my personal opinion, I would prefer to have an actual menu in my hand and I would prefer your staff member to take the extra time to wipe it down with disinfection thing every time when somebody is using it because when the menus come back from a table your hostess can quickly wipe it down and sanitize but at least give your guests the option you can do it this way if that's what you prefer or you can actually have an actual menu like it's been done since hundreds and hundreds of years and which has never been out of style <laughs> so you know i i mean i if i would you know, give my two cents. I think we should offer both. But I do understand that there are specific corona, corona regulations that will just really not allow you as a restaurant or hotel to do things that we really think is a great customer approach or a great guest approach, but we just can't at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Hey, that's uh... Very good. I mean, there are so many things that are happening now that, but um, I think when there's a change like this, it will be always something very interesting that will stay that uh, uh, would not have been developed uh, unless we had this very challenging time of, of the pandemic and part of this uh, yeah. uh, improved sanitation services uh, standards are, are very, very important. And of course, that uh, using cleverly some 
app technology, at least in the beginning, to make your bookings and look at the menu before you arrive. And maybe, of course, you want to have somebody right. to, to upsell you something when, when, when you are in a restaurant and, uh, and have that to menu there as uh, sort of the guiding, guiding thing. So, uh, sure, exactly. You're based in LA, so I'm just curious. I'm always interested to see what's happening in the restaurant scene. Are there, what are the, uh, any trends that you have noticed that are... Uh, because it, California is very very trendy in many ways. So new stuff coming up. Anything that you want to share with the audience? I'm sure they will be interested to hear what's what's happening now with these days. I mean, you know, California has always been known for very you know healthy based, and we we all are in this beautiful warm energy, you know. And uh, so vegan, a lot of places really converting to vegan and more so vegan than vegetarian ever, I would say. Um, A lot of places that never had any vegetarian, let alone vegan anything, they're like having extra menus now. And I think that's absolutely fantastic because we should, you know, cater more to people with specific things like preferences or allergies or diabetic like my dream is for more restaurants to create more beautiful things for diabetic people too because they cannot have a beautiful homemade tiramisu they cannot have a beautiful homemade cannoli or crepe or whatever they just can't you know and why not create other than sorbet you know or sugar-free cookies you know why not create a little bit more for diabetics you know, like um, specific desserts, because you can make anything sugar-free. You know, there's always sugar substances, you know, that you can use, which, okay, are not the healthiest choice, but at least you can offer something. But I think LA is very good about, you know, evolving when it comes to food and very being ahead of a few other countries or even cities in America, because people here are very health-driven, And very much, you know, after holistic stuff and natural and organic and all of that. So I think L.A. is is really the ballpark of vegan paradise, you know, like holistic paradise and (laughs) organic anything you're looking for, you'll find it here. And I think that's great. You know, I think that's that's absolutely fantastic because the more we cater to our guests and to to people in general, the better we all work together yeah i really like your your comment about uh, catering to because uh, diabetic uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it's a very in many ways when you go to a restaurant you know, you have to be very choosy of what you can eat uh, if you are diabetic and i think this is a excellent excellent uh, comment that you make about how to cater to everyone and and particularly uh, health concerns i mean we, we all need to be more healthy and and uh, the vegan, of course, it's a it's a big thing over here, also in Europe and or in, in Helsinki. It's very very popular, and a lot of my friends are totally committed to this. So it's uh, nice to hear that how how that has evolved uh, here. But I I want to kind of get a little bit uh, personal with you and ask you about uh, what, if you can share some feel good story about. Uh, that you have gone through during this pandemic period, anything what you have learned about yourself or what you have seen uh, that you, yeah, that uh, comes to your mind. 
I think um, so for me personally, it was a little bit of a challenging time because my mom just passed away not even a year prior to the pandemic, not even a year, maybe seven months prior. And so I really took a lot of time to remember who I was as a person and why I am the way I am and really what I was here to you know, what was my creation? What was my person? What was my purpose? And me personally, I took a lot of time to just really meditate and pray and, you know, work more and more on my business and put myself out there to people just as somebody that can maybe give advice. It wasn't really so much about me making money. It was more about I'm here. I'm in this somehow with you all. If there's anything that I can help you with by answering questions or just you know, looking at your issue or just you presenting something and I'm going in it as if it would be my place. I'm happy to do that. So I've done that a lot. You know, I really just put myself and my company out there to just offer Zoom calls or or, or just conversations or just brainstorm sessions or anything. And, um, and if I haven't done that, I was really focused on basically putting my emotional pieces back together and understanding that my life, the way it was, will not be the same, obviously, without my mom in it. But um, but I think it, it did really help me also to get to a different side that I've never, ever would have gotten if these things would have not happened. Thanks for joining us this week on The Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, the Social Hotelier Show, Blueberry.net, where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or via RSS, so you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we appreciate a rating in Apple Podcasts. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that will help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.